0: What happy couples know is forgiveness. You know, forgiveness is a powerful thing. It's a choice that we make. It's a decision that we surrender to. And so uh, today we're talking about forgiveness. You know, last week we talked about intimacy, you know, and uh, if there's anything that contributes to intimacy, it would be forgiveness. Hopefully you guys had the best sex of you've ever had this past week, if you're married, if you're married. And, uh, and for you guys who are here for the first time, you're probably thinking, what in the world kind of church is this? But uh, we talked about intimacy last week, and we talked about how, how important it is within the biblical picture that God has given us. Uh, sex within marriage is a beautiful thing. It honors God, and it is critical to our relationship in our, in our marriage. And so we talked about uh, intimacy last week. Today we're talking about forgiveness. Next week we're going to talk about commitment, and, uh, and just being committed to one another, and uh, so uh, may look forward to uh, next week, and hopefully you guys will join us for that. And I want to just uh, challenge some of our guys, our men. You know, I heard earlier where the the advertisement was talking about man camp. I want to challenge the men to make a commitment to be at man camp, if you would. Um, we it's it's learning about being a godly man, being a righteous man, uh, being a leader. You know, and so we would love for you guys to be there and be a part of that. But I want to challenge the guys today. Hey, we need you to go ahead and commit today. Make a decision. Stand on it and say, you know what, you know what, I'm going. Uh, is it out of my comfort zone? Yeah, a little bit, but I'm going. And so, make a commitment today to be at man camp. I think uh, I think you'll enjoy it, and I know it'll make us all better. As the iron sharpens iron, one man sharpens another. So I challenge you to be a part of that. So if you've got your outlines, take them out. We're talking about forgiveness today, and uh, what what happy couples know, because I think anybody that's in a relationship wants to be a happy couple. Who wants to be a bitter, angry, mean, whatever? You know, always fighting couple. Nobody does. And so we want to have great relationships and so we're going to talk about some of the things that will get us there and this this passage here is what we have stepped off of each week it says so now i'm giving you a new commandment this is jesus speaking love each other just as i have loved you you should love one another we talked about what love is and how powerful and important it is that we love the way that christ did even when we were talking about sex and intimacy last week It's about, hey, what is the picture that we see in in the Bible? What is the biblical uh, definition? What are the parameters that God has given us? And what are the reasons? And so it's important for us to understand that God wants to bless us. He wants us to enjoy life. He wants us to have great relationships. And so here's the thing. Love and forgiveness through Jesus Christ is our message as followers of Christ. I'll, I'll just say this on the front end. There's no way that we could ever have the relationship that we really desire or that God wants us to have in a marriage without Jesus Christ. There's just no way. And so for us as followers of Christ, those of us in this room that have put our faith in Jesus, we believe that He is the way, the truth, and life. That we have surrendered our heart to Him. We have surrendered our life to Him. We we have to understand that is the message that we share. That is the message that we share, is love and forgiveness. That's the message of the Gospel. Love and forgiveness. Redemption through Jesus Christ. Salvation through Jesus Christ. Love and forgiveness through Jesus Christ is our message As followers of Christ. Look at what it says here. It says, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. That passage right there is on the back of every shirt of anybody that gets baptized here. We give them a blue shirt. And on the top of it, it says, forever changed. And then it has that passage there. So if anybody has come to put their faith in Christ, they are a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. And so they're a new believer. They've been given a new heart. They've been given a new lease on life, if you will. And so if you've never made that decision, I'm just telling you that's the most important decision if you want to have a great relationship. It's for your relationship with God to be right because this relationship between you and God affects every relationship here. Every relationship here is affected by this one. And if we want to have great relationships, first and foremost, we have to have a relationship with God. Look what it says in verse 18, 18 it says, And all of this is a gift from God. It's not anything that we earn, it's a gift. And all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to Himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to Him. For God was in Christ reconciling the world to Himself, no longer counting people's sins against Him. That's forgiveness. And He gave us, the church, us, us as His people, He gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors, His representation, if you will. God is making His appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. For God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sins so that we could be made right with God through Christ. Second Corinthians 5. And so here's what we have to understand as a believer, as a follower of Christ. Man, the very thing that I base my salvation on is what? Forgiveness. It's all about forgiveness. It is love. God loved me even when I was in my sin, even whenever I was living against Him, even whenever I was doing everything I could to rebel against Him. He loved me. He sent His Son, Jesus, to die on the cross for me. And He offers to me forgiveness, grace, unmerited favor, grace. And so the cool thing is, is whenever we look back, we go, man, the whole message of the gospel is love and forgiveness. And so how can we as believers, as followers of Christ, be in marriages and relationships where we don't share that, we don't do that, we don't offer that. We have got to be a messenger for Christ, an ambassador, as Scripture says there. But look at 1 John, it says, But if we are living in the light as God is in the light, then we have fellowship with each other, and the blood of Jesus, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. If we claim we have no sin, we are only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. But if we confess our sins to Him, He is faithful and just to what? To forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. Man, that's that's good news right there. That's the gospel. That it's about forgiveness. That we get to be in right standing with God because of what Jesus did, not because of what I did. It's a gift from God. It's a gift from God to all of us. And so when we get our mind around that, we go, you know what? right, that is the gospel. That should change me. And here's the thing, it should change how we view our relationships. It should change how we view our spouse. It should change how we view our differences. And then look at this, it says, love and forgiveness is our mission as a church. And, and so, I want you guys to understand this, our, our, our task, our job as a church is not just to gather here and sit in chairs, and, you know, and me teach and you listen, but our job as a church, our mission as a church, is to take a message of hope and a message of truth and a message of forgiveness To the world. And so everything that we do as a church should be driven by that. This is our mission statement. We exist. We exist to reach people who are disconnected from God and lead them to become fully devoted followers of Christ. We exist as a church to offer the message of reconciliation. We exist as a church to reach the lost. We exist as a church to make a difference in the lives of people, to carry this message of forgiveness that God has given us. That's why we exist. We don't gather just to gather, and we don't come here just to get a, a feel-good you know, message or whatever, but we gather here to be challenged and to be equipped. And here's the thing, it's to go out with a message of forgiveness. So it's the, it's the mission of the church. And so here's what I would say. If we are believers and we're members of the church, whenever we do the membership class, I challenge everybody that goes through that class, I say, Hey, listen, if you're going to be a part of this, this is what we're about. We are, a, we are a, we're mess, we're broken people who have found the life-changing message of the gospel, and we're going to tell others about it. That's what we do. That is our mission. And so, so here, here's what I would say is if we are going to be the church, and we're not willing to work at having right relationships, we become a bad messenger, and then we're, here's the other thing, we're not fulfilling the mission. We've got to be intentional about those things. It says, since God chose you to be the holy people He loves... What a great message to the church. Man, that we're to be bound together. We're to be working towards unity, not arguing and disagreeing. And here's the thing, and I would say this in the the home as well, in the family, in the home, in the marriage, that we're working towards peace and we're thankful. We walk through life thankful. We look for ways to celebrate, you know, what God has done and what He's doing and what He has in store for us. And, And so here, when we see this, we realize that, you know, love and forgiveness is the message. Love and forgiveness is the mission. And I would say this, happy couples know that love and forgiveness should be the cornerstones of your marriage. Christ is the foundation. He is the cornerstone. But I would just say this too, love and forgiveness should be cornerstones of your marriage as well. So your marriage should be built, you know, on love and forgiveness. That you have modeled that, you have lived that out. And you're, you're willing to embrace that and say, you know what, this is what we should be living out. It is our message as, as followers of Christ. It is our message as the church. And I think it's cornerstones of our marriage. It's got to be. And let me just say this, back up to what I said in the beginning. If you don't have a relationship with Christ, you'll never ever have the marriage that you want or that God desires for you to have. And so it it is key, it is pivotal that Jesus is the center of that relationship. I, I had an opportunity to be a part of a wedding yesterday. And my challenge to the couple was, man, let Jesus be the center. Let Him be the glue that holds your marriage together. Let Him be the focus. You know. And then here's thing, seek to serve one another. Remember, we talked about it being a, a competition of submission. That you seek to serve one another, and as you seek to serve one another, your needs will be met. And let me tell you, it's just the opposite of what the world teaches. The world does not teach that. But happy couples know that love and forgiveness are cornerstones of the marriage. It says, love is patient and kind, and love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable, and it keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up. It never loses faith. Is always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. So let me ask you, does that, does that scripture, that depiction, does that describe your love? See, it clearly describes the love of God, but does it describe, describe the love that you have for your spouse, the love that you experience in your home? Does that, does that verse give a pretty good picture, a pretty good painting, if you would, of what it's like for you? Let me read it again. Love is patient and kind. Are you patient and kind? See, one of the things I have to work at is being patient. I'm not a real patient person uh, by nature. Uh, my staff will tell you that my wife will tell you that that's something I have to work at now to, for me to say Well, that's just the way I am That's unacceptable because the bible says that love is patient And for me to be impatient and say, you know what? I'm not like christ in that area of my life And so god I need you to continue to change me and help me to become more and more patient And as I grow spiritually and as I grow and mature and develop I become more and more patient Now there's times people probably think well I Man, I'd have hated to have seen you way back then and I think I would agree But the thing is, is we are called and we're told to be that love is patient and it's kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. Let me just tell you this. If you have a relationship and you've got a a, a marriage or you're dating someone, and man, it's got all kinds of jealousy involved. Let me tell you, you have a a contaminated relationship. Jealousy will destroy a relationship. It is worse than cancer, man. It will destroy that relationship. And, And here's the thing. What you're doing is you're choking the life out of each other. And this jealousy is a lack of trust. You know, and, and maybe your insecurities and whatever it might be. But if your marriage is built on jealousy, you have built it on a literally toxic soul. And So you've got to be willing to say, you know what? Love is not jealous. It's not boastful or proud or rude. So what are you? So ask yourself, do I line up with the Scripture? Is that the picture of my marriage, of my relationship, of how I am? It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable. And it keeps no record of, of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices when the truth wins out. Love never gives up. Are you always throwing the towel in? Man, i am done. That's it. You know, but it says love never gives up, never loses faith. How awesome is that to have that mentality? You know what? God's got this. We're going to make it. Man, we're going through a tough season. But you know what? Hey, we're committed. We are, we are, we're in this. Love never loses faith, is always hopeful, and endures through every circumstance. What a great picture. And so the thing about forgiveness is, man, when we hear that, we go, all right, I I get it, Mike, I get that love should be a cornerstone of our marriage. We get that, get that. This forgiveness, man, this is a tough one, though. This is a tough one for me to deal with, because, Mike, you just don't know how I've been wounded. And you're right, I don't, but God does. And, And so the thing is, is there's a lot of wounds in this room. I can promise you, if we were to start over here and begin to work our way around Man, there's some wounds in here that we wouldn't even want to talk about. And there's some wounds that have happened maybe in the past when we were children, maybe even as teenagers. And here's the thing, maybe even in our marriage that are painful. And I get that. And we're going to to talk a little bit about how how do we deal with that pain. But here's the thing, is God tells us that we are to forgive. That we're to forgive, we're to choose to forgive. Look at at this. It says, there is no limit to forgiveness. There's no limit for forgiveness. Then Peter came to to Jesus and he asked Him, He said, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who who sins against me? Seven times? No. Not seven times, Jesus replied, but 70 times seven. You know what Jesus was saying? He goes, hey, listen. Man, you have to continue to forgive. If they... Come to you, you know, because a lot of you guys have already done it. You already said 70 times 7. How many is that? All right, so they've already exceeded that number, so I'm not forgiving them anymore. I mean, that's what you've done, right? You've got, man, they've, they've already broke that number. But what Jesus is saying, listen, you've got to continue to forgive. You've got to forgive as many times as it takes. Because let me just say this, forgiveness is not for the offender. It's not for who is offending you. Forgiveness is for you. Forgiveness is for you. Jesus, hey, listen, you've got to be willing to forgive and continue to forgive because, let me just tell you, it's for you. Forgiveness is for you. And you've got to get your mind around that because we think whenever I forgive them, I'm letting them off the hook. I'm, I, you know, I'm letting them get away with it. No, no, no. You're setting yourself free when you choose to forgive. You're setting yourself free. You're, you're, you're helping you get better. You're giving yourself a new future. Seventy times Seven. You know, oftentimes we hear, man, well, you got to forgive and what? You've got to forgive and say it loud and forget. That's not in the Bible. I know we, you know, we go, well, you've know, you got to forgive and forget. That's not in the Bible. And so what happens is we, we have a tendency to think, well, I've got to forgive and i just got to forget about it. You know, it's almost impossible to forget some things. And I'm not, not sure God wants us to forget some things. But here's the thing. He doesn't want us to focus on those things. Our focus has got to change. There's some things that have happened to some of you, and I'm talking about it's painful, but what happens is it becomes a barrier to your future. It becomes a barrier to you becoming all that God wants you to be. It becomes a barrier to relationships. It becomes a barrier to intimacy. It becomes a barrier to all these things. And because you're fixated or focused on this wound that has taken place and you cannot forgive, here's the thing is it becomes a a ball and chain that keeps you from experiencing the freedom that Christ wants you to experience. Jesus makes it clear you've got to forgive. And it it means that we've got to to forgive, not necessarily that we forget, but we can't stay focused on that. But we're to begin to focus on what Christ has for us. We're to focus on what Jesus has for me, what He can do in me. And so forgive and forget, like I said, it's not in the Bible. But I would say it's being cautious. Being cautious means... It doesn't mean that we, haven't, that we haven't forgiven. You can forgive someone and be cautious because trust has to be rebuilt. Trust is not given. Trust is earned, right? And so if someone blows it, someone hurts you, someone wounds you, it doesn't mean that you just let it go and you let them continue to you know, beat you down, wear you out. And here's the thing, is we don't let things continue to go because that becomes in, uh, enablement. You know, you're enabling someone to continue to live a lifestyle and continuing to hurt you and others, and that's not okay either biblically we've got to be willing to at times even rebuke them the bible says talks about being wise as a serpent you know and and harmless as a dove in other words that man we are quick to forgive and we do forgive but we're wise about what we do and how we put our trust in a situation you know so we have to be wise because you don't want to continue to be hurt over and over so look at this statement here it says often people equate forgiveness with weakness and it's widely believed that you, if you forgive someone you're condoning or excusing their behavior. That's not true. If you choose to forgive someone, that's not a weakness. I mean, you think about when I when I think about Jesus Christ, I think about him being a man's man. He was a carpenter growing up. You know, and then you know we see the, the beating and the scourging that he took for your sins and for my sins. And so whenever I, I look back and I, I I see even the picture in my mind that I, I see of Jesus, and even whenever I watch maybe The Passion of the Christ, I see a man's man. A man's man who, you know, they're they're literally driving nails and into his hands and into his feet. They've, they've whipped his back to the point that it literally looks like hamburger. And then he says, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. And so the one that I think of as being probably the most... Manly man I can think of is Jesus Christ offered forgiveness. Does that sound like weakness to you? See, to me, that's a strength like no other. You know, I, I was talking about man camp earlier. And I was thinking, you know, I mean, I, I think, and this is what I believe, I think if Jesus was here, he'd be at man camp. I think if Jesus was going to Journey Church, he'd say, you know what, I'm going to man camp because I want to be around these other men. And I want to. I want to learn from them. I want to teach, or I want to pour into them. He, we, we would be learning from him. But I'm just saying that, hey, you know what? As iron sharpens iron is what scripture says. I want to be around these men. I want to invest in them. So for some of you guys, I would just tell you, you think, well, man, I don't, I don't want to go and be a part of that. Maybe you ought to. And find out what God wants to teach you about being a godly man. Being a righteous man. Being a man who has the strength to forgive. And so whenever we look at that and it says, hey, you know, people confuse it with weakness. It's not weakness, it's strength. Whenever you have the strength in a marriage or in a relationship to be able to forgive, man, that's strength. That's not weakness. That is strength. Be willing to forgive those who have wounded you, those who have hurt you. I think back to the intro video and these guys were holding signs and, you know, and holding up signs that said, you abused me, you cheated on me. You lied to me. And there's one that, you know, this, I'm sitting there going, wow. It says, you killed my daughter. And then they roll them over and they're offering forgiveness. See, that's a supernatural, that's a supernatural forgiveness. I knew a lady who, her daughter had been killed. She'd been abducted, raped and killed. And I can remember whenever she came to the altar to pray one day, you know, she comes down the altar, comes to the altar, just been just shaking all over, and I walked over and Emma Sally. I put my arm around her, I said, Sally, I said, "How can I pray for her?" She goes, "I got to forgive him." And in my mind, I'm sitting there going, "Man, I can't get my mind around that. This guy took your daughter's life," and she's going, "I've got to forgive him." And it rattled me. But she's right. You know, it, it takes a, a supernatural strength to be able to forgive like that. You can't do that in your own flesh. You can, we can't do it in our own flesh. It's important to consider that forgiveness is a gift you give yourself. See, see, forgiveness is what we give ourselves. It's a gift that we give to us. And so whenever I choose to forgive someone, it's not for them, it's for me. It's freedom for me. It's peace for me. It's joy for me. It's a new future for me. It's what I get to begin to focus on. And so true forgiveness takes faith. When I hear the story like Sally's or I see stories like that, I go, you know what, that's the power of God at work in someone. One day Jesus told His disciples, He says, there will, there will always be temptations to sin, but what sorrow awaits the person who does the tempting. It would be better for to be thrown into the sea with a millstone hung around your neck than to cause one of these little ones to fall into sin. Let's pause there for just a second. He says, so watch yourselves. And so here, here's what Jesus is saying. Hey, listen. You know, there's going to be temptation. It's going to come. There's going to be opportunities to, to mess up. Don't miss me. But what he said, hey, listen, you better be careful that you're not the one causing someone else to sin. And what he said, hey, listen, you need to be careful how you live your lives. And too often what we just think, well, man, I, man I'm, just going, I'm all under grace. It's all about grace. I'll live however I want to. And Jesus says, no, you better watch yourselves. You better watch how you live, how you talk, how you treat people, how, how you live out your faith. Because if you cause someone to stumble, if they look at you and go, you know what, man, I don't, I don't believe this Christianity thing. I don't believe what Jesus, this stuff about Jesus is really real. Because, man, look at you and you claim to be a Christian. He's saying, listen, it'd be better to have a big old huge rock tied around your neck and cast into the deepest of seas. And so that's Jesus speaking, who is all about forgiveness and saying, hey, listen, you need to be careful how you live your life. Because you're an ambassador. Remember that's what the Scripture said? You're a representation of me. If you claim to be a follower of Christ, then live it out. Then act like it. And what he's saying, hey, listen, don't just act like you can do whatever. And, man, I'm a a Christian. I'm under grace. He's saying live in such a way that you don't cause others to stumble. He's all about forgiveness. But he's also about righteousness and right living. And living in a way that honors God. Living in a way that we honor our spouse. Living in a way that, you know what, we're willing to forgive and we're willing to treat them the way that God wants us to treat them. He says, so watch yourselves. Listen to this. If another believer sins, rebuke that person. Then if there is repentance, forgive. Now, let me just say this. Let's pause there for a second. Because here's the thing is, we live in a culture where nobody wants to offend anyone. you know. And and, and if you do, it, it's all over social media. It's all over the news or whatever. And so everybody is, they walk on their shelves because everybody's got to be, be politically correct. But Jesus is saying, if you know a brother in Christ... who is is living in sin, rebuke him. In other words, call him out or call her out. Now, it doesn't say to go and be mean or harsh about it, but it says to call them out to rebuke them and say, hey, listen, man, you shouldn't be talking to your wife that way. And Now, we live in a culture where everybody is scared to death of that. But let me just tell you this, the gospel is offensive. And there's many things that Jesus did that were offensive in the day. The very first verse that we read up here, when he says, I give you a new commandment, Dude, that was offensive. Now, we don't think anything of it because we're, we're 2,000 years later and we're, we've got the New Testament. So we don't really think anything of it. But when Jesus said, a new commandment I give to you, the, the, the disciples were like, wait a minute, what? He's equating himself with Moses? I mean, he's putting himself on that level. So whenever they hear that and anybody else heard that, it's like, what? That was offensive. So I'm just telling you, the gospel is offensive. And Jesus was willing to offend to get to make things right. And too often we're afraid to say anything to our brother. We'll watch our brother throw his his marriage away. We'll we'll watch her, a sister in Christ throw her marriage away. And we won't say anything because we don't want to offend them. But that's not what Jesus teaches. Jesus says if you love them, you'll rebuke them. You'll speak the truth in love and forgive. If another believer sins, rebuke that person, then if there's repentance, forgive. If they sin against you, forgive. Even if that person wrongs you seven times a day and each time turns again and asks for forgiveness, you must forgive. That's crazy. And look at what the apostles said. The apostles said to the Lord, Show us how to increase our faith. Because I'm just telling you, forgiveness comes from something supernatural. And the apostles. Realize that. They were like, Jesus, you're saying that someone hurts me seven times today, yet seven times if they ask for forgiveness, I've got to forgive them? Jesus, man, I can't do that in my own strength. Jesus, I can't do that on my own. Jesus, I need something special. I need to grow in my faith. So they go, Jesus, will you help us to grow in our faith? And I'm just telling you, it does take something special. It takes something supernatural. It takes the power of God at work in someone to be able to forgive like that. It takes the power of God at work in us. And so whenever we truly decide that we want to forgive, we have to understand, you know what? I've got to have the power of God at work in me. And that's why I said in the very beginning, it all starts with us having a relationship with Jesus. So that we can quickly and thoroughly forgive just as Christ has forgiven us. And so that's the next one. We should, You should be quick to forgive. Happy couples know you should be quick to forgive. Be quick to forgive. Because here's the thing, if I'm not quick to forgive, I'll tend to dwell on it. I'll think about it. You know, and, and, and so if we're not quick to forgive, we start thinking about how we can retaliate. Like you hurt me, let me kind of think of some ways I can hurt you. you know. And, and you said this, what can I say that would kind of be a jab back? And so what we do a lot of times is we're, we're exchanging punches rather than being quick to forgive. You wounded me deeply. And so all of a sudden you begin to think about how can I retaliate? How can I return that to them? But instead, it says, instead, be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. Man, that's supernatural, isn't it? Let me read it again. Instead, be kind to each other. If someone hurts you, what we want to do is we want to hurt them. Well, we say, you know, a, a wounded animal will bite. And so when someone is hurt, they're going to hurt. Hurt people hurt people. And so instead, be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as Christ, as God through Christ has forgiven you. And so here's a couple of things. Resentment and bitterness are poison for a marriage. Resentment and, and, and bitterness are poison for a marriage. You now I talked about it earlier. Jealousy is, is a poison for a marriage, but so is bitterness and resentment. And what, what happened, here's the thing. There's some of you in this room. There may be something that happened in your marriage or your relationship, even back when you were dating, and you still hold on to that. And so why do we hold on to those things? Maybe it happened you know, in the last few months or maybe the last few years. So what, why do we hold on to that? Do we want to use it as leverage? Well, you remember when you did this? You remember when you did that? And so we kind of use it as leverage against them. Or maybe it's a, a stone to throw. You know, we, we see it as, hey, I've, I've got one in the bag. I've got one to throw. And so what the Scripture tells us, men, that we are to forgive, but resentment and bitterness becomes a, a poison for the marriage. Resentment leads to emotional distance. We talked about this a few weeks ago when we were talking about communication. A lot of times what we do is we end up putting, you know, the we, we give them the silent treatment. And we distance. And so because there's resentment and there's wounds and there's pain, what we do is we withdraw, we pull away from each other emotionally. You know, and, and we'll walk around and say, you know, and maybe we get snippy. We get snippy with our words or we kind of cut. And you, and you say, is everything okay? Yeah, everything's fine. Does that sound like it's Okay. Yeah, I hear the laugh. That's right. And and so, you know, we ask, hey, is everything okay? You know, is everything good? Yeah. You know, and so what we do is we use that and here's the thing it causes that emotional distance. And so we're not connecting like we talked about intimacy last week into me see. You won't let them. Because you've kind of got everybody at arms distance right now, and you kinda you're pushing them away and you know, and, and so it becau- it causes distance because you have resentment. And so there's there's resentment leads to emotional distance, then resentment leads to sexual distance. And we already know, we talked about this last week, that if we're not you know, in, engaged whenever it comes to just the relationship, and there's no emotional connection, then the sexual is not going to happen. And if it does, it just becomes an act. It just becomes just an act rather than something that is spiritual and something that is emotional and something that is genuine. And here's the thing, something that honors God. And so... So it, it causes a distance. That resentment will lead to distance in our relationship. And then the last one, their resentment gives the devil a foothold. Resentment, you hanging on to something, you holding on to something, gives the devil a foothold in your relationship or your marriage. If you've been wounded, you've got to be willing to talk about it. You've got to be willing to deal with it. But what happens is too often what we do is we give them the silent treatment or the stonewall or whatever, and we just, we just say, well, I'm just going to function. We're just going to stay together, just kind of save the marriage. You know, we're just going to tolerate each other rather than working towards intimacy. And I've seen that happen too many times. I've heard parents say, we're just going to stay together for the kids. And I'm thinking, you need to stay together for you. You need to stay together because of your relationship with with God. You need to stay together because of your commitment to one another. You need to stay together because you made a covenant with God. You know, you need to work at the marriage and the relationship. You may not love each other right now, but here's the thing. What does love got to do with it? What about the commitment? We're talking about that next week. And so the thing is, is we've got to be willing to say, God, help me to change me. What we always want to do is we want to change our spouse, right? We want them fixed. We want them different. We want them to stop doing this and start doing that. And what we've got to be willing to do is say, God, you know, what in me needs to change? I want to be a new creation. And so resentment gives the devil a foothold. It says, and don't sin by letting anger control you. And don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. For anger gives a foothold to the devil. In other words, remember we said be quick to forgive? Sometimes we let things drag on and on and on and on because, like I said, we're dwelling on it, we're focused on it. Or maybe, here's the thing, maybe, like I said, we just want to use it to beat them up a little bit because they've hurt us, I'm going to hurt them. And when we do, it's, we're giving the devil a foothold. And a foothold is, is where you can kind of get your foot on something and kind of get a... Not only do we give him a foothold, we give him a hand up. It's like, hey, Satan, come on into my marriage. Come on into my relationship And do what you can. so when we hold on to that anger and that resentment, we're literally saying, come on in, Satan. And when we forgive, we're saying, come on in, Jesus. I want you to bless us. We want freedom. We want healing. But when you bring Satan in, you're bringing jealousy, anger, bitterness, resentment, the things that poison our relationship. And when we hold on to it, we're inviting him in, giving him a foothold, and a hand up. So what are, I want to give you five steps to forgiveness. Normally I give you guys next steps and say, hey, these are the next steps. These are five steps. And, I, and the reason I didn't break it up any different this week is because every one of us in this room needs to do this. There's nobody in this room that has not been wounded. There's nobody in this room that has not dealt with some type of pain. The only thing is, is some of us have dealt with it and some of us haven't. But i just say this, all of us need to know how to deal with the wounds whenever they come and so the first first step is this acknowledge the offense and the pain knowledge acknowledge the offense and the pain and so in other words maybe with our spouse we need to have a conversation and say hey listen I just want you to know whenever you said this this is how it made me feel when you did this this it hurt me when you didn't do this this is how it made me feel so in other words you acknowledge and you you communicate about it, you talk about it we talked you know a couple of weeks ago about communication communicate because a lot of times what we do is we want them to figure it out like I said, we walk around, you know, nipping and snipping and all this kind of stuff. And, and we're at, hey, is everything okay? Yeah, I'm fine. You know, and really you're not. And so you're hoping that they'll guess it or they'll figure it out. And they don't always figure it out. So the thing is, hey, let's sit down and let's just talk. So let, let's acknowledge the pain. Right? Let's acknowledge the offense. And then let's acknowledge pain. Hey, this is what happened and this is what hurt me. This is what you did and this is how I feel. And I go, well, I didn't mean to hurt you. And so you've got to hear what they're saying, and their intention was not to hurt you. You've got to say, all right, well, then I still have to at least communicate to you this is how I feel. And so you're acknowledging it, the offense and the pain. And then whoever is hearing that, the offender, and let me just say this, the offender may not care. It doesn't mean that you don't forgive. Remember, forgiveness is a gift to who? To you. You may you may say something to someone who has offended you, and they go, I don't know what you're talking about. And all of a sudden, you feel defeated. All right, that's Satan. You've got to be willing to go, whether you acknowledge it or not, I'm making a choice to forgive you. I'm making a choice to forgive you. A young lady had been sexually molested as a child, and she went back to her offender, and she went back and she confronted him, which took incredible courage. And the counselor that she'd been going to had told her, hey, you, you know this may be something you want to do, but it's up to you. you. You don't have to. You can write him a letter. You don't ever have to see him again. And she goes, no, I feel like I need to. So she went to the offender, confronted the offender, and, and and they played it off like, hey, nothing had happened. So I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know what you're talking about. And, and so, in my mind, I'm thinking, alright, she is not going to be okay with this. But the thing is, is what I watched was that she let it go. He continued to live a lie. But the cool thing was, is it was freedom for her because she chose to forgive. So we have to choose to forgive. We have to acknowledge it, but the, the offender may not acknowledge it. Here's the second thing. let go, of, Let go of the pain. What is beautiful about this is whenever we lay it down and we let go of the pain, and you might you might say, "Mike, how in the world do you let go of the pain man it's faith it's going, God, I need you to do some spiritual surgery on me. God, I need you to take this out, and god i 'm laying it on the altar god i 'm laying it on the, on, the, on, the, on the altar in front of you i 'm giving it to you, I can't carry it anymore, and I know that you know what if I give you this God, you'll give me joy. God, if I give you this pain, you 'll give me freedom. God, if I give you this pain, you 'll give me what I need." You'll give me a hope in a future. And so, God, I'm giving this pain to You. I'm tired of toting it around. I'm tired of it contaminating my marriage and my relationship. And so, God, I'm giving it to You completely. And then number three, release the resentment. You might say, well, aren't those the same? We've got to let go. Here's thing: We've got to release it to God and just say, God, it's, it is Yours. And so, God, I want to be on the receiving end now of everything that You have for me. So, God, I, I, I let go of it. I want to be on the receiving end. Because if my hands are, are tied up with this that's in my hand that I don't need, when I finally put it down, I can receive what you have for me. And so, God, my heart has been contaminated with this, and so I, gotta, I let it go. And so, God, I want to receive all that you have for me. So we've got to release that resentment. And then number four, you've got to continue to forgive. Remember what Jesus said? Seventy times seven. You've got to continue to forgive. And it may be moment by moment. It may be day by day. It may be week by week. It may be month by month. It may be year by year. But you continue to forgive. You might say, well, I have forgiven them. And then all of a sudden it begins to creep back in. And you have to remind yourself, you know what? I'm choosing again to forgive them. So you have to continue to forgive. Not to enable, but that you might have freedom. Remember, forgiveness is a gift to you. And then his fifth one, pray for the offender. That can be tough. Like I said, there's all kinds of offenses here in the room. Some maybe in your marriage. Maybe they hurt you. Maybe they abandoned you. Maybe they cheated on you. But you got to be willing to let the pain go. you got to be willing to receive what God offers you. And here's the cool thing, you've got to be willing to pray for them. And I know that's hard, but you've got to be willing to pray for them, pray for God's blessings in their life, pray for God's truth to be uh, heard in their life. And then if we were to back that up, maybe it's not just something that happened in our marriage, maybe it's something that happened in our childhood, or maybe in in, in the teenage years, and you're thinking, Mike, I, I hate them. I hate that person. You don't know what they did to me, I don't. But I know that you're carrying around that hate and that bitterness and that anger and resentment. But here's the thing. It's you get to choose to forgive them. You don't have to have any dealings with them. You don't have to hang out with them. But here's the thing. is You have to choose to let that go and let God begin the healing process in you. I don't know how you've been wounded. But God does. But I will say this. That God wants to refresh, renew Man, just fill you with a love that, you know what, the world can't get its mind around. Like Jesus said, love each other just as I have loved you. You should love each other. You think about how many times we have offended Christ. We've lived in a way that goes against Him. We've lived in a way that dishonors Him in every possible way. Maybe you're a liar. You're a cheat. Maybe you're an adulteress. Whatever it might be, but whatever you've done, whatever you've done, He chooses to forgive you. If you confess your sins and ask forgiveness, He'll forgive you. So let me ask you, if, if Christ can forgive you, and He is the one that empowers you, can you choose today to forgive the one who has offended you? The only way you're going to be able to do it is through the power of God at work in you. So here's, here's what I would say. The message is this, love and forgiveness. The mission is this, love and forgiveness. The cornerstone for every relationship should be love and forgiveness. So the question would be for us, am I living a life of love and forgiveness? I want to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. I don't know what wounds are in the room, but God does. I don't know what room, wounds you have, but you do so let me ask you this. Are you willing today, for maybe the very first time, willing to allow God to begin that healing process in you? Are you willing to forgive? It starts with Jesus. It starts with you having a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. There's no other way. It takes faith. It takes the power of God working in us to be able to release some of the wounds that we're toting around. And so I want to give you an opportunity. Maybe you're here today and you've never put your faith in Christ. I want to give you an opportunity. It's as simple as this. Just like the passage we read earlier. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just and will forgive us of all unrighteousness. And so we confess that, Jesus, I'm a sinner. Jesus, I have messed up. Jesus, I have lived against your teaching. Jesus, will you forgive me? I want to quit living the way I've been living. I want, to, I want to live for you. That's repentance. So if we confess our sins and then we turn from them and we turn to Him, He says that we will be saved. And how are we. How does that happen? By faith. It's all by faith. So our faith in Christ is what changes us. And it's the power of God at work in us that continues to transform us and to conform us to the image of Christ. And so we're able to love the way that Christ loved. We're able to, to forgive the way that Christ forgives we're able to do those things because of the power of God at work in us. So if you're here today and you've never given your heart to Christ, what would keep you from making that decision? And so I want to lead you through that simple prayer. Just, just right where you said, say, Jesus, I confess to you that I'm a sinner. And I confess to you that I have been bitter and angry and jealous. And so Jesus, I want to ask you to forgive me. And Jesus, I want to quit living that way. I want to live for you. I want, I want you to come and live within me. And so, Jesus, with all the faith that I have, I put my faith in you for salvation and for freedom. And so, Jesus, will you come and live within me? If you just prayed that prayer, I just want you to raise your hand. Just you say, Mike, I, raised that, I just prayed that prayer. I see your hand. Anybody else? Just raise, raise it high. Anybody? I see your hand. I see your hand. Anybody else? Anybody else? I see your hand here. I see your hand over here. There's hands all over the room. That's the power of God. Working in hearts, saving souls, bringing freedom, bringing peace, bringing joy. It's the most important decision you'll ever make. And here's the thing it is the key to freedom, it is the key to those things, is Jesus. There may be some of you in this room, I man, you made a decision a long time ago. There's There's six or seven people in here that have. Put their faith in Christ today for salvation. Man, I'm so excited for them. But there's some of you that you did that years ago. But man, you have given the devil a foothold. You have allowed people to literally come into your life. And and you've let Satan literally contaminate those relationships. Your marriage is on the rocks because of jealousy or because of bitterness or because of anger or unforgiveness. And So maybe today you've just got to be willing to say, You know what, God, I want to ask you to forgive me. And God, I want to extend forgiveness to those that have hurt me. I almost want to give you that opportunity. Just today, that's your opportunity. Forgive. We need to be known for love and forgiveness. Love and forgiveness. Father, I thank you for loving us. God, I thank you for these that raised their hand today, praying to receive Jesus Christ for salvation. God, I pray for your presence in their life. God, I pray for us as a church as we take those next steps with them. Father, I pray for them to fully and completely surrender to you today. God help us with help them take those next steps. And so God, I thank you for just the the message of forgiveness, the gospel. That's what it is. It's the message of forgiveness. And so Father, I pray that you would just show us today who do we need to forgive. God, and give us the courage and give us the faith as the apostles prayed, help us to grow in our faith so that we can let go of anything that is keeping us from being able to walk in that peace and to walk the way that Jesus did. God, I love you. And God, I thank you for forgiving me. God, I thank you for forgiving us. And God, I thank you that you have given us the message of reconciliation and forgiveness to take to the world. In Jesus' name, amen.